You're listening to the Marketing Made Inclusive podcast. Tune in each week to learn how we can all make inclusive marketing the industry standard. Welcome and welcome back to the Marketing Made Inclusive podcast. Oh my goodness. I know it hasn't been a gap for anyone on the podcast, but I have been away and my brain has exploded with excitement all in relation to America. And on this episode, I do have an American with me. I don't even know if you'd like to be introduced as an American, but we will talk about it. Take it. It's fine. <laughs> but I have Bianca on the podcast. I never checked how to pronounce your last name. Apologies. So I guess it depends on who you're talking to. Uh, my mother says Faustin. Faustin. Uh, you could say Faustin. It's fine. I take whichever. But Bianca thank you Faustin. for asking. <laughs> Wanted to make sure I checked. I always go back and forth about, do you apologize for butchering it before you butcher it or do you just check live? And I'm like... I think checking live is fine. Um, At least you asked versus just kind of going for it and Mm -hmm. working out. (laughs) So we've been talking. You're tuned into the podcast and this is all you're here. But we've been talking (laughs) for about an hour before this on a range of things. Um, But I do want to say, Bianca, uh, we met via LinkedIn. And I was super excited to get your DM because you were the first um, person I saw in-house that had inclusive marketing in their job title. So please let the people know a little bit about what you do and where you work. So I am currently in charge of uh, inclusive marketing and engagement at Wiley. Um, They're a book publisher, uh, mainly dealing with like book periodicals and uh, research. Uh, I have always been in marketing for the most part, um, and I've always kind of changed which direction I've gone in within marketing. Unofficially, I think when it came to work, I also always worked closely with HR to kind of handle employee engagement and making sure that people kind of felt included in things and we weren't doing anything that was not appropriate Mm -hmm. uh, when it came to cultural things. So I was just always unofficially connected to that. And then about uh, four years ago, it became official as to me proposing, this is what I think that we should do as a company. This is something that I think we should be start paying attention to. Um, I didn't want to go into the DE&I practice alone. So I still wanted to stay in marketing. Mm -hmm. So I figured this would be like a nice way to connect the two without joining another or leaving another um, and essentially you're, you're employing those like DNI practices, but solely from a marketing lens. So this is what I've been doing for the past few years. That is amazing. That's so fascinating. Cause I hear the story a lot of times when someone, and I'm assuming you're not the only person of color in the organization, cause it's quite big, but when someone <laughs> is the only, they get pulled into the DNI space and they lose mm-hmm. the ability to do their job, but you propose to them joining what you did enjoy doing, I'm assuming as well for free, to your actual paid job. How did that conversation go? We were going through a reorg at the mm-hmm. time. It, it, it happens with every company, like things shift. So you have to kind of like reorganize what everybody's doing. And I was on the journal side. So I was handling a lot of the events and the um, marketing for solely just like the research journal. So getting authors to say, hey, you know, publish your research with us and kind of uh, going out with authors to help them launch their new journals and get people excited about it. 
So when we went through the reorg, it was a matter of like figuring out where to put me. And I had already started doing the work by like starting the ERG with another colleague of mine, um, starting to chair the Black Employee Resource Group, and then thinking about different ways that we can help um, have them think about like recruitment and being a bit more proactive from a cultural standpoint versus reactive. And I don't believe at that time we did not have like a chief diversity officer yet, but there was like a manager who was looking after that stuff. And I did not want to go into that space because I also figured DEI shouldn't exist within HR. That's just my personal opinion on that. Um, so I didn't want to go into the HR space, but then I was just like, well, I think that as marketers, if we look at this from a, like a brand perspective and what we put out, we should probably be including the DNI principles to the marketing work that we do. And we're currently not doing it. And I did see a post from a different company. It wasn't inclusive marketing, but there were some things that they had listed where I was just like, I feel like I could apply this to the current group that I'm going to be with mm-hmm. and make sure that when it comes to like the stuff that we do, we're doing it in the most inclusive way as possible and not just like pushing out stuff just cause big undertaking because it's not something that the marketing group had looked at at all. Um, and you're talking about like getting this together for about 600 marketers or so across the globe. Um, so you kind of have to break it up in a way that's sustainable. Wait, wait, you're the group, the team that you're in is 600 marketers. Yes. At the time when I started, it was 600 marketers globally. And those are across different departments also. Yeah. Oh my. So you come in with the whole kind of, we need to take these principles and separate out from HR, apply it to that. And then having to translate that into four, 600 people, first of all, is a feat in its own, but different mm-hmm. countries. I'm assuming languages as well. Right. So <laughs> because because and I know you're looking at it like different countries, different languages, like, yes, there had to be a way to make this um, sustainable. So I think we like phased it out. Mm-hmm. And I say we because um, the person I was reporting to at the time, like she helped with kind of organizing, like how what's the best way for us to like kind of start this. Um, so I started with just like a, a trial of doing some like trainings with some people and going through some like audits and stuff. I believe that's the first time that I had connected with you. Yeah. Cause I was just like, I don't know if they even have like inclusive marketing agencies or anything. Um, it's not something that I saw a lot of. So right. There's like, there's not, there's no way that myself alone mm-hmm. could get through to 600 marketers. And we're starting at the baseline of providing this level of education to get them to a point where they're culturally competent to start doing the work on their own so they don't have to rely on the one person and then also take into consideration where every demographic is from a starting point so I started with the U.S. and the U.K. because they were the most closely aligned with where they are with doing the work even though the U.S. I think focused on it a lot more Um, the U.K. was still in a space where they were doing it too so it wouldn't be like a shock or there wouldn't be some level of confusion when it comes to some of the things that were in alignment with what the, I don't want to say struggles, but like- The where reason, the, the why. Yeah, like where where those things could exist. 
the U.S. and the U.K. were the most closely aligned. So we phased it out where we just started with that group. And it's still a thing of doing that. The focus is there, but the messaging is put across, you know, board, uh, across the board. But what the focus is in like, when we say the APAC region, race isn't going to be the thing. So it's like, oh, I was going to say gender. Or, well, class and gender mm-hmm. would be the thing. Um, it's the same if we, I was just like, okay, like if we're, if we're focusing with uh, um, our German group, like even pronouns and all that stuff was a little different at the time where like, so I just had to make sure that whatever we were doing, I was also just being mindful of where they are and trying to have an opportunity to partner with another group there that can help with that, which was another difficult thing too, because again, even finding an inclusive marketing agency here was enough of like, oh, I don't, I don't know. So trying to do that elsewhere, you know, became became an issue. But um, and this is why we decided to like phase it out. Okay, that makes sense. I'm curious to know then, with Wiley being to me kind of like academia focused company, which Academia is its own separate industry in and of itself. It's not really to consumer and it's not really business to business. Sometimes you're you're pitching to people, which is what mm-hmm. marketing is. But just why? Because I guess you, yeah, why did you approach it? Because you're just, you're going after professors and professors mm-hmm. are whatever they are or whoever they are. So it's definitely not just professors. So when okay. you think about, when you think about like, the the research side of business because you're talking about like books you're talking about authors um you're talking about when you're talking about authors that like spans across you know just the institution of thinking like professors you're thinking mm-hmm. about students um researchers okay so the customer base is is pretty broad and it's not solely like professors so when you have any campaigns that are meant to go out to that wide group there's different age ranges and there's different from a cultural standpoint you have a different um you have a different community based on depending on where you're where you are so let's say if you have a campaign that's going out to the nursing group or neurology or chemistry or engineering there's different groups that exist in there and when you think about specifically let's say stem there's disparities as to who's who's the the main person that people would think when they think engineering who that is yeah. versus who they're not representing so it's kind of like a a it's it's a there's a duality into like what you're trying to accomplish there so you do want to make sure that you're representing the people that do exist there mm-hmm. that may not be represented but you also want to kind of like expand people's thought process into what does that mean when I'm doing some type of campaign that's geared towards engineering or that's geared towards STEM as a whole and not having it only be the thing of like, so this is the group that's usually in STEM. So that's what I'm going to include in the website or that's what I'm going to include in the landing page or that's what I'm going to include in the email blast. You want to be mindful of the language that you're using if you're trying to be inclusive, the visual story that you're trying to tell when you're trying to be inclusive. And that doesn't mean like you're just like, I need to make sure every campaign has one of each because then that becomes inauthentic. 
Um, but you just want to make sure that historically who's ever had that platform all the time, like you're just not repeating that. I don't think in creating, like if there's a platform and you see like within engineering, you have white males and Asian males, let's say, who are the two that have kind of been the ones leading in that area, that doesn't mean that you never include them in a campaign. And I think sometimes people have taken that the wrong way. But when you do a panel, maybe you reach out to some other people that you haven't thought about reaching out to so that there could be, that representation could exist there. When you build out a campaign, think about like visually who you wanna include in that. So it's not always the same people. On that note of not just plucking people because as I mentioned at the start of the podcast I recently came back from America and I did find the campaigns there seemed more representative but Mm -hmm. on that element of they had one of everything yeah so how do you approach that in a big organization because I'm assuming you have to get approval and sign off you have to source images or hire models what is the practical process behind doing that as much as you can share well, I think I think the first part of it, because I don't think starting something like this, you just like go right into, okay, I'm going to start working with the campaigns team yeah. on this. I think if you want something to be done right, you maybe want to start with like the source. So if I go to the campaigns team and say like, here, here's how I want everyone to like do this going forward. But then some of the material that they're working with is it inclusive or accessible mm-hmm. then i'm i'm kind of like cutting i'm making like a shortcut to get to the thing and that doesn't change anything long term that might be more of a short term fix so for me i think it was a matter of like working with the brand team and also figuring out a way that there could be um education to provide to team members so that they feel more empowered to make those decisions Um, we already had a great like brand kit in place and a guide, but it was just a matter of like going in and like tweaking that. So this is why like the audit was done, like having an audit on the website, having an audit on the brand tools, because this is what the campaign team is using as a reference, as a guide to create their campaigns as well. And if there's any like things that, that was, um, more of like a strategic thing or like a one-off project, like that's when I would consult with the group about things to consider. Like if you're telling a story, don't do the thing where it's like, here's the American dream story. I have to hear hear about all of your struggles first and then how you overcame all of the struggles. Like that's a story that's being told like time and time again. And it's also not necessarily a story that's focused on the person as Mm -hmm. as a human in their journey. You're kind of just like telling, that's not a false tale but it's almost stereotypical like that's that's the story that we strive to hear and like this is what it means because then if it doesn't sound the way that you want it's kind of like well how can we like just just up a little bit like how can we like Make it exciting. add a little flavor to it so it seems more exciting where it's just like maybe the story should be more focused on the person and not so much on their accomplishments if that makes sense mm-hmm. so mm-hmm that's how you're like representing the person and telling their story in a more authentic way instead of saying, yeah, but we need that extra thing. I'm not saying to tell a boring story. 
but it's just a matter of like being authentic and not using it in the sense of if it's a black person, like you always have to tell that same story of like, I was here and I had this huge struggle and, and there's nothing wrong with that. I don't want to say that as if that's a bad thing to tell their story because that is, that is someone's story. It's just not the only story that's being told because that's how you start putting various groups into buckets and saying like, this is how you are. And it's that, that phrasing of like black people aren't a monolith, like people are, have multi dimensions and it shouldn't just be one group that's allowed to express themselves in all the dimensions that exist mm-hmm. that be allotted to everyone else too. And I think that's the, that's the whole point when you're talking about being inclusive, it doesn't mean including every single person. It's just telling multiple stories so that representation happens. And there's no possible way for it to happen for every single person all at once. So you just want to make sure when you're taking a step back and looking at what you've put out as a whole, are you telling diverse stories? Are you are you making sure when you're telling stories about um, various groups and identities that you're telling it in a way that includes like intersectionality in there. It's not just one dimensional. It's not like here's a doctor and this is a female doctor and then we're done. And then that's it. And you have to add female doctor in the copy just to make sure it's apparent. Right. Like there's, there's layers to it and everyone isn't always going to be satisfied because language is also changing all the time. People are, are recognizing different things all the time. So something that was okay to say or use five years ago may not be okay to use now. I think that you kind of have to meet people where they are to a degree and just work with what you have there to kind of get them to think of things differently. So you mentioned the change and I'm thinking back. So you've been in marketing from undergrad all the way through (laughs) from what you study because I am a self-taught marketer so a lot of it I'm used to learning on the fly with everything like probably two years ago I still don't know I'm 100% sure what SEO is I do but Mm -hmm. I yeah I learn on the fly as (laughs) and when I need it but from what you learned how has you how have you seen marketing changed throughout the years I honestly think the foundation, like the, the four P's, don't ask me to remember <laughs> price. Um, price, product, <laughs> position, place. Now I'm making things up. It's I know people. price and product. Something is it. Do you, it's like, oh, how do you have this person on here? They don't know. I'll remember another time. This may be nerd. But um, I think that those things still exist. Sometimes there's like stuff that's being added to it, but those things still exist. I think what's changed and what continues to change and what will always change is is how maybe the customers receive things. I think with marketers, you're always changing based on, oh, I hate to say what the trend is, but a lot of times <laughs> that's what it is. You're, you're changing with that. And, and unfortunately it becomes a trend because of marketing. So it's marketing is the same. Like you're trying to, it's almost like, at the core of it, you're understanding people mm-hmm. and how to best get that person to like want what it is that you're offering. And before it was like, you don't, you don't, um, you convince people of what they want. You don't wait for them to tell you, you convince them mm-hmm. of what they want. So sometimes that meant, you know, this exclusive 
thing. I, I, I need to have that thing because it's exclusive. And now with uh, this, this new generation that's coming in, it's just like that doesn't work anymore. They're telling you what they want and how they want it. Yep, so loudly listening. So that shift needs to happen with marketing. Now it's just like, okay, let me start listening to our customers to then essentially tell them what they want or need. But I'm, I'm now listening um, to this. So I don't know that like much has changed outside of the, maybe the approach has slightly changed, but mm-hmm. it's kind of like that dynamic of before I, I'm going to tell you. And now it's like, okay, let me listen to then. Because you have more um, people caring about um, like cause marketing or like the brands, like what, what, what do they do for mm. society? Like, is this a good company? You know, like that's not something that people really cared about before. How would you advise a marketer in a big team to start pulling that through? Because you mentioned that you started with the branding team and that makes sense. You got them to really look at the principles, the guidelines that's going to be distributed to the 600 other teams and people out there. But say you are the one with, you're seeing the narrative, you're seeing the shift and you're like, no, we need to talk about what we're doing in the cause. And it's in an industry that it's not as apparent mm-hmm. like it's not I again I'm very naive on Wiley so but it's, it's not as apparent like you know how are you saving trees to be cynical right. how are you how if you're B Corp like how do you advise a marketer to start approaching that within a big organization well I think in this this isn't necessarily Wiley specific I think uh, when we were talking before I said sometimes it's easier for a brand that's like direct to consumer mm-hmm. or the consumer to say like, I'm sticking with this particular brand. Cause the brand side of it is like in your face, everybody does some level of branding for your, for your business. So people know who you are. Um, but some other companies, again, I find that retailers a lot of times, or maybe somebody that offers um, a service like software or anything like that, like that's something that can also be used directly to the consumer. Like we use Zoom, Teams, that's me using that directly. So I think when it comes to kind of having having that stuff embedded in a larger corporation, I think you still have to think about what would be considered, I guess, corporate marketing, which is like more focusing on your brand because you still have one, you have a name, you have a name that's out there for people to know, like you focus on your brand and like what you want that messaging to be externally so that people are kind of coming along with you on that journey for whatever changes that you're making. So if there's been a shift in your company where it's just like, okay, now we're focusing more on, let's say we're doing the work to um, we're doing like ESG work, let's say. And that S side of ESG that kind of gets ignored a lot of times. Um, that's something we're going to put that forward more. So we're going to showcase like these are the vendors that we're working with. We're going to showcase from an environmental side where how we're going to try to get to like net zero by X, you know, 2025 or something like that, whatever the, the data is there. Um, that's where you can start like talking about these things and showcasing some of the things that you're doing. I don't know what other way you would do that that to make the shift with that. If you're not talking about it, Mm -hmm. if you're actually making these changes, you never want to make anything up. 
But if you're actually doing these things and making these changes, you start talking about it. If you want people to view you more as a, you know, family focused company, or if, you know, you're more geared to eco-friendly things and uh, distributors, whatever it is that you're going to do, clearly you want to communicate that and, and make sure that your brand is like following that pattern of, okay, now I see this shift based off of how they're talking their tone of voice, the language that they're using, the images that we're using, like, how are we telling the story of this particular brand? What Mm. do we want this to represent? And that's, that's external. I think it should also be done internally. So as you're doing this external thing, you also want to focus on some like employer branding internally, because internally you have a customer too, it's your employees. So when you think about certain brands that really kind of have a strong, you know, there's a strong like brand affinity, I guess, with them, you kind of have to look at like what they're doing externally and internally to get everybody internally on board to essentially, like, maybe I shouldn't use the phrase, but drink the Kool-Aid. Cause I found out what that, what, where that comes from. And I was oh, like, oh gosh, everything. <laughs> so, so I don't know if I mentioned to you, but we have a language dictionary. Mm-hmm. Everything is, everything is screwed up. Everything. Yeah. You go back far enough, every phrase. It it definitely is. So essentially, like, that's how you get people on board to, like, buy into what you're doing. And sometimes I think people will focus on the external, but then they don't focus on the stuff internally to, like, drive that same message internally and not just speak it, but show it. Be actions based internally so that people feel that, okay, this is what this means. Like, I, I kind of sometimes use like REI or Patagonia as I was about to ask they're retailers I get it but it's still even Google like people will say whatever about Google but then people are still working for them and they have like high employee ratings now if you're thinking about like what does the ratings mean like do they really mean anything that's a different story but they there's there's a difference between how they go about treating employees at least to get them on board Mm -hmm. now long term in any company once you're in there if you start like figuring things out and seeing it differently that's different but I I use Patagonia as that example because I I like the brand um I always have a great experience when I go from a customer service perspective I've talked to people who work there and they I don't really hear anything that's negative about it and that kind of trickles down from you know the top down, uh, if you're listening to your employees and, and you're saying something that's true and you're not just trying to provide lip service, like people can read through that, especially they can identify. Yeah. Marketing, marketing to marketers, which is what essentially I do. It's an interesting experience <laughs> because not only are we prone to be more alert to ads, we're also more suspicious of ads, but at the same time, we get suspected by ads, not necessarily because we want the thing, but because we're like, that's a good ad. I'm going to click on it. Yeah. Marketing tomorrow. Anywho, but you mentioned Patagonia and referring back to something else I discovered about you, you are the marketing director for black people who hike. Yes. Tell me a little bit about that because that is very different to the, the nine to five world that you're in. It is. So I think sometimes, and I, I, I don't say this in a way where it's anything like speaking poorly about where I currently work, like the, the paid work. Um, but I think sometimes when it comes to people 
who like want to find their like passion or purpose. And sometimes you align that with the work that you do. I, I think it's a great thing if somebody finds that in the work that they do. And also it's okay to be realistic about why you're working because, you know, bills. bills. Like yeah. yeah. So for me, I had just started to get into going outside. It was like during the pandemic. So just like everybody else, you couldn't really do anything but be outside. I always liked water, um, but I started hiking and I use air quotes for hiking because it was like more walking on a, you know, (laughs) so I was like, it was walking, but I would do it a lot. I ended up getting a dog and I would just like take her out everywhere. She's sitting right here, like curled up sleeping. But, um, I did that a lot. And I, I did notice a lot of times when I would go out, I didn't really see a ton of black people. Um, so I had followed like another group and I was on Instagram, like following different groups. And then I found black people who hike and I liked their page. And I saw that they were looking for a marketing person as a volunteer. So I was like, I'm in marketing, like I'll volunteer my time. They're based in St. Louis. I'm on the East coast. I'm in New Jersey. So it was I interviewed with them. They're in the Midwest. I'm on the East Coast. Um, Learning my directions. <laughs> so uh, I interviewed with them and uh, I ended up uh, working with them in a different capacity, but then there were some changes and and now I'm working with them on their, their marketing stuff. And last year um, we were able to get a grant um, from the national parks and we did a national park tour. We visited five different parks and it was just a group of like 20 to 30 black people in those spaces. And sometimes that was their first time hiking for some of them. That was their first time hiking in such a large group of black people. And I think that for the ones that I went on, cause I didn't go on every single park. You were in charge of like different parks. I went to, um, Acadia. It was on the East coast. So that was like the easiest it's in Maine. Okay really beautiful during the the fall. Um, But it was just, it was, it was nice. And I think I get excited sometimes when I see um, just a big group of black people enjoy themselves (laughs) because sometimes it's just, you're in a space where, especially being in a corporate environment, like you don't see it all the time. Like even Mm -hmm. when I started the ERG with my colleague, I honestly was just like, I didn't know all of you were here. And it was like 25 people. And they were like, I've never seen you smile this big. Cause I was like, it's just, it's nice to have some form of community somewhere where you don't have it. And for most of my career being in corporate America, I've usually been like the one or one of few. And when Uh I say few, there's maybe like two other people there. So Uh in a space where, oh, we were all spread out. But now that we're virtual, we're kind of like forced to be in this space where now we can connect with people, maybe not in the same space, like physically, but we were kind of like spread out all over. So I think with Black people who hike, that was just another thing where it's like, okay, let me offer my assistance in any way that I can, whether that's any form of marketing, events, uh, strategy, whatever it is um, to get that done. And I think it's been a... a beautiful thing. And I think uh, the the founder, she just, again, wants to, to just get more education and awareness for um, Black people and other people of color um, to get out and enjoy nature as it's meant to be enjoyed. I, I have a, not a tricky question, but an interesting one. 
I think is interesting. We'll, we'll see. Um, I feel like it's very intentional to call Black People Who Hikes because it's going up against a stereotype of, oh, Black people don't do X. And when I say X, if you're listening and you're not a Black person, probably a joke your uncle would make, like Black people don't swim, they don't do this, right. they don't do that. Um, and I've had marketers approach me in the past where I know they haven't said it, but they are thinking Black people don't do X in our, where we market, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And outdoor has been one of, outdoor and luxury have been the two types of marketers who've mm-hmm. outrightly said to me, in a way, I had a luxury uh, marketer say, oh, our client said, no point putting Black people in our campaign because they don't buy our stuff. I was like, oh, wow, your client was brave. But anywho, um, <laughs> so thinking from a marketer who might work in one of those fields where stereotypically there's a stereotype that Black people don't do that, how would you advise them to approach marketing to Black people and making their marketing inclusive and representative of Black people? Include them. I I find sometimes the most simplest answer is the thing that you should include them. So here's the thing, like if somebody's saying, oh, Black people don't, or like we're not meant to do, or we don't feel, if the Black person is doing it, then we do it. Yeah. So it's the same thing where we were talking about when this wasn't being recorded, we were talking about um, how groups and stuff were created here to create a sense of community, how Black people here, specifically Black Americans um, for the U.S., like created these these pockets of, well, if it's not here for us, then we need to do it on our own. Mm-hmm. And that was out of necessity. So it's the same thing. If, if I want to try something and it's something that I'm going to try alone, I'm going to do it. And eventually somebody else is going to see me do it and then they're going to do it. And then it becomes a thing where you have a group like this, where now there's a bunch of people who do it. Mm, One of the, one of the places when we went to uh, one of the, um, one of the tours, one of the, um, they weren't a ranger, but they were somebody that was like, uh, they had their own group and they were active in the outdoor community. And he wanted to hike with us, but he couldn't, he had a prior engagement, but he was just like, I grew up here and I've just never been around this many black people hiking. Mm -hmm. And he was black himself. And that's understandable because it's Maine. There aren't a ton of black people there. So when you get into a space and you see all these people, you know, doing this thing that you do too, Yes, to a level, there is some level of comfort there because it's just like now I don't have to feel like I'm by myself. For some people, it doesn't matter and that's fine. And for other people, they do want that sense of community. And that's okay too. Like if I I tried snowboarding for the first time, I know a lot of times when I see snowboarding, I don't see a bunch of people who look like me, but I ended up finding a group on Instagram of Black snowboarders. Mm, Okay, so say the person is not black, you're saying find the group because the group exists, black people who do X, whatever it is. Yeah. And if they don't exist, create it. And as they, a non-black that, person, they can it, they? Build it. Absolutely. If they're, there's, there's a, um, they do that for marketing a, purposes. What do you mean? <laughs> so a brand that you have worked with, say Patagonia was like, we want to showcase black people hiking Mount Everest. 
Mm-hmm. So Patagonia is going to create Black People Hike Mount Everest. And the person mm-hmm. organizing that and running it is not a Black person. The person who's organizing the group and running the group is not a Black person. Mm-hmm. Mm. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, because this is a, this is the okay. situation is okay. that they want content. I do, by the way, I do not know Patagonia. I do not know that. I do not know this. Uh-huh. I'm not saying this. Release yeah. them anyway. But they want the content. They want the organic right. imagery of black people doing whatever the activity that their brand associated with okay i guarantee you they can find a black person who did it okay may not be a group i guarantee you'll find it where everywhere and it's with any other group it's with any group just because i think that it's almost like a lot of these outdoor sports and a lot of these outdoor activities are geared towards white men like that's that's what they are that's the demographic for our, the outdoors so just because that's the majority i don't think that that means that the one or two don't exist because they do it's the same like i i started following zeb powell he's a black snowboarder okay. and then from following him i found another black snowboarder and then i found another one so it's it's the same thing just because it's not like a, a cluster that doesn't mean that they don't exist. Okay. They do. It's the same thing if I wanted to, if I was a ballerina and I wanted to to be, you know, a ballerina and I wanted to find some sense of community, like it exists. It may not be prominent. You have to do some digging sometimes, but they exist. If I'm into anime and I do want to find that community of Black people who are into anime, you'll find it. And that's with so every group. You'll find it. They find the person... How do you recommend approaching? I need to pick another. What's another outdoor brand? <laughs> REI. No, REI. How would you recommend <laughs> REI approaching a black snowboarder to be part of a campaign? Um, I probably shouldn't use REI because they've already done this. Um, I can say, for instance, uh, Subaru partnered with Black People Who Hike. Mm-hmm. Um, they kind of wanted to they're the outdoor car brand. So, and it could be as small as, cause we've done it ourselves from Wiley. We, you know, have people like scouring the internet and like looking at pages and all this other stuff. And you kind of just approach them with what your story is and what you're trying to accomplish. It's, mm. you know, we love what you're doing and we want to highlight you. We want to give you a platform. We want to like partner with you. This is your story. We just want to help amplify your story and as a big brand you can do that it's always interesting when I hear I think I have an aversion to platformer highlighting because the mm-hmm. other side of my brain goes oh they're not gonna pay mm. and I and I don't know if that's because I've heard too many stories that I, yeah. I have well that, you all, I think mm. you also have to know as a as a smaller business organization whatever you also need to know what like your wants and needs are mm. So if your sole purpose is to get awareness and you're not concerned about money, like your money comes in the form of views, then go ahead and do it. If there's something that requires some level of sponsorship, like see if they'll do that. So I do understand because I think sometimes when um, people have asked, you know, somebody to do something and a lot of times it's like, will they do it for free? Maybe budgets are tight, whatever. I'm always very conscious of asking uh, black people to do something for free 
Mm-hmm. And maybe I don't do that with other groups. But Ooh, huh. Interesting. I say I'm very I'm very conscious about like asking black people to do stuff for free. And I even probably, yeah, I'm very conscious about that. And I think when it comes to like people of color in general, I, I think I am very conscious about like asking you to do something for free. But of course I'm black, so clearly I'm yeah. There's but even the positioning, like, oof, I don't know if I feel comfortable with that. <laughs> the positioning of being a marketer and having to ask for, because we ask, that's especially influencer marketing, all we do is ask, all you do is negotiate and request mm-hmm. and try and get the best deal for your client, whichever that may be. Um, but it's interesting to have that coded into your experience of, I know what society is. So even mm-hmm. though this is business, there's also a, a values element to it. Mm-hmm. There's, I mean, you know, a lot of times when these brands are trying to do a partnership, like it benefits them. They're not doing it just because it's it's a business. So it benefits them. And I think they're looking at it from the perspective of like, it could benefit both of us. And you always want to make sure you're mindful of who you're partnering with, just like I'm sure they're mindful of who they're partnering with. So you, you want to do your research just the same and not just accept, you know, somebody wants to do this thing for us. Like, what does that mean? If they have photography, how are they using it? Mm. You know, if there's video footage, how are they using it? Who has access to it? How long do they have access to it for? can we use it? Like, it's just, it, there are things that you need to ask yourself. Um, but I think if, and that's usually if there's like some type of video, you know, element to it or image element to it. But if it's totally like, we want to, we want to do a partnership with you and that comes in the form of just sponsoring you, you still do your research, but they've, they've now sponsored, you know, a trip or they've sponsored materials or they've sponsored whichever. So you know, you just want to make sure that you're doing your work when it comes to somebody approaching you, mm-hmm. but for a brand approaching another group and wanting to say, we're going to like offer you this platform for, for you to then be amplified. Sure. You're going to go in there with like caution, but I think it's like, as long as you recognize that this brand makes sense for us and there is going to be some level of like, um, expansion, like audience expansion or anything like that for us. And also we can get, you know, some type of sponsorship out of it. I think, I think that's a good thing. I think that, you know, doing the research on Subaru, it's a car company, but they're known for the outdoor car company. I think the people, they're great. Um, and they What's did the this connection thing. I was looking for. Cause I was just like, surely if you hike, you don't want to hike in a car. Okay. They're, outdoor car. There. they're an outdoor, they're known for like their outdoor cars. You yeah. have to get to a place. You know, like you have to get there. It's, and a lot of times some of these places that you don't realize, like they're actually hard to get to. It's not even flying in. Like it becomes your, you fly into this place that may be an hour and a half or so from the actual place that you're going to. So. Okay. We're comfortable with them and like creating that partnership because I think that, you know, th- to me, they've been nothing but great so far and there's also they also like recently had created a commercial um and i don't know if we get to that part if i'm skipping ahead but like they created a commercial that i thought i was like see this is an example of it's a simple 
break it down. Tell me about the commercial. We'll we'll find the link and put it in. Okay, but yeah. so it's um I think it's called a beautiful silence, mm-hmm. and it's super commercial. And for the most part, it's completely quiet. I don't know if you watched The Last of Us on HBO, but there is a uh, black child actor who is deaf. Yep, I've um, seen on there. And he was the star of commercials. So it's him and his father. They're like driving through the park. There's splashes. There's, you know, noise. There's all this other stuff. And then they kind of go silent. And he he asks him, like, are we lost? And he's like, no. And then they get to the top and it's a waterfall. And they don't focus on the fact that he is deaf. They don't really focus on the fact that they're black. And that's not to say that that's an issue. It's just them doing something. And that's it. Do you love, I love the ones where the inclusivity is the, oh yeah, and bit, not Mm -hmm. the because bit. Yeah, like they're just, it's not, because I don't, I don't know for myself that I would like if you just put that focus on the thing versus me as a person Mm. because Mm. I'm a person first and then all these other identities make me who I am as a person but that shouldn't be the focus if you're trying to be inclusive that shouldn't be the sole focus if you're having a campaign that resonates with Black people, it I'm not saying that you shouldn't include their Blackness. I'm saying the way that you go about doing it so that it doesn't seem stereotypical, so it doesn't seem like a checkbox activity. And I think even there's been studies and people appreciating, especially if there's somebody with a disability, they appreciate the fact that they're going to be included in the commercial for just being. Existing my disability is not this inspirational story because I think that come off as condescending sometimes if you're such an inspiration and for somebody who has a disability they're just like I'm such an inspiration for a living what is this so now you've turned this into I'm trying to compliment you but you've turned this into this thing where you're complimenting me on my disability and it's almost as if you're trying to say there's something wrong and you did all this stuff in spite of Mm -hmm. thing that is wrong with you. So I feel like when it comes to somebody, and I think Nike did a a nice commercial too, where I forgot the name of it. I'll have to remember it, but they did a nice commercial where it was, uh, it was Nike Asia. And it was like, um, they usually give like a, a gift um, I don't know if it's always money, um, so I'm not as well versed in it, but they usually give a, a gift for like the Chinese New Year. Oh yeah, the red envelope. And, yes. And it's this, I think it's her granddaughter, I think. She's like running away from it. Like she doesn't want to take it. And it's just like this whole journey, but it's, there. there's so many like small uh, cultural aspects that are like real, very small details that I wouldn't know because that's not my culture. But somebody else brought this to my attention. And then they include the, you know, Nike logo or whatever at the end. So you kind of don't know what this is about, but you always see that she has sneakers on because she's like running after her, trying to give her this envelope. And it goes on for years. So I was like, you see how you're incorporating your brand. You're also being authentic. You could probably tell an Asian person was in the room when it came Mm -hmm. to this campaign. And like, that was it. So you just two things. Um, One, 
My new love and hate about some commercials is the not knowing what it's for. I understand that. <laughs> I love it. But then I get to the end and I'm like, that was a commercial for Nike. What? <laughs> but if you pay attention, because she didn't have the sneakers on before. Mm-hmm. And to me, the sneakers stand out. So if you're paying attention, you could kind of tell like what it's going to be because then they start this chasing thing. So it makes sense. Even if you didn't know it was for Nike, it makes sense because it's like, oh, she was running that whole time and she's wearing these sneakers to like chase her around or whatever. So I get it. I get it. Some are really good. Understand like, yeah, that didn't make sense at all. Or there is, I think it was greetings, the greetings card people. Mm -hmm. This commercial had to do with like infertility. I didn't know what it was about initially. So they show this woman and she's with her husband. It's actually really sad. Um, They show this woman, she's with her husband. And you kind of, you, after you see the experience with her cousin, her husband, you see that, okay, I understand what this is about. I don't know what it's for. So she's trying, 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 and you see her crying and he's like, you know, it'll happen. It will happen. And then she goes to a friend's baby shower and everybody's all happy opening the gifts and all this other stuff. And she's smiling, but you can still, she's, she's a little sad. A friend sees her, invites her out to lunch and gives her a card that says something like, you know, I don't know, something about like, I can't remember the exact verbiage, but it's something along the lines of like, you know, sometimes we're all going through stuff, but like, you know, know that I'm here for you or whatever. Uh And she gives her a hug or whatever. And then it ends with like American greetings. Like when you don't know the words to say or something like that, A bit, but I think it was nicely done the way that I'm explaining it sounds cheesy, but I think it was nicely done. If you were to watch it, we will find the link and put it in the show notes, but sometimes, and this might be the difference between American ads and British ads. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm just like, sorry, what? I would be so mad. Absolutely. (laughs) But if you think about it for some people, especially for who this works for, Mm -hmm. because you have to think about, let's say, I hate using the phrase lump languages, but for some people, you have to understand like what their thing is. So that could have been your thing. And I get the cheese factor or whatever, but think about it. If I'm a person who's going through something and I get a nice card or flowers, sometimes that means something to me. mm. Hug may mean something to me. You just gave me another thought. We've had so many conversations, but you just gave me another (laughs) thought and I need to look into it because I'm thinking it, but it feels like an obvious thing. Marketing segmentation based on love language. That must be a thing, right? I'm wondering if it is. Because that I, would be so I assume, fascinating. I assume if they haven't thought about this, maybe around something. I assume if it were, it would be for certain industries. Yeah, yeah it couldn't, it could not, you can't do compliments with, you know, healthcare. It doesn't. No, but like if work, I'm, yeah. if let's say, if these people decided to do that, then they understand the concept of if this person likes gifts, or if this person likes personal, uh, if they like physical touch, then maybe this would work for like a massage chain or something like that. Oh my gosh, that is fascinating. Or, yeah. or maybe it would work for Home Depot if they're about like actions as uh, acts of service. I don't know. But um, 
I Home think Depot a for the times, British. Yeah, like, awesome. <laughs> a lot of times. Do you have a version of Home Depot? Yeah, we have a version. It's B&Q. Okay. Um, I've always asked people if they have a version of X, but I think it's one of those things where sometimes when it comes to marketing, you're playing on the psychology mm-hmm. of people and mm-hmm. you want to invoke some type of emotion because a lot of times people are emotional buyers. So unfortunately, that's kind of like the thing that you do. And I think it could work in a positive way if you want to be more authentic. And I think the call right now is for brands to be more authentic and be more representative of like the audiences that they serve. Yes. And my new thing now on top of the emotional manipulation is also bias manipulation. Mm -hmm. Because going back to what we mentioned about, you might hear a stereotype about black people not hiking. So if you're going to create a campaign to anti that stereotype, Touching on what you said, don't just chuck a Black person in there. Make the story around not their Blackness, but their journey into hiking. (laughs) And I think there's an element of inclusive marketing now where you have to be aware of what the bias and what the stereotype and what the negative thing is and play with it, manipulate it to get the story across. Right. Because I can see... Oh, so that brings me on to... (laughs) We cannot talk for 10 years, but we can. We're going to (laughs) have you back to do another episode. But that brings me on to creating an inclusive campaign. Mm -hmm. So money, no object. You have a one minute YouTube slot to create a video campaign. Um, And I don't I want to do hiking, but I want to give you a counter. Oh, hiking or swimming. And you have to make it inclusive and say, the hiking one is for a shoe hiking. I don't do outdoors. Okay. The swimming one is for towels. Interesting. Okay. People get wet. They need to wash. Everything has to be washed. Okay. Okay. Right. What? How are you making? You have your choice of either one. Which one are okay. you choosing? And then how are you making it inclusive? outside of outside of just including black people doing the thing like how am i making this inclusive mm-hmm. what's the story you're putting okay. in there i think i think for hiking the story could be what let's say for instance black people hike is mm. that could be the story i did this thing because of this i saw other people on this journey i saw other people but none of them really looked like me so I wanted to create a community of Black hikers so that they feel included. And one of the things that we do is offer education and have as a beginner, it's in, it's important for you to have like the right gear. Insert Keen, which is a hiking shoe brand or Columbia, you know, and then you incorporate Columbia in there. Like I like these hiking boots because they're comfortable for a beginner, like you have to worry about blisters and all this other stuff and it's great. And then they showcase like people hiking, they get close up of the feet. And then at the end, there's just this community of black people hiking and laughing and all this other stuff. Maybe they have their t-shirt if you partner with them. Uh, You know, Columbia, reach out, I'm just saying. Um, (laughs) And for swimming, I'm gonna challenge the towel and say the focus, and this is where the focus is, but it's not, a swim cap as a black person. But then you're stepping into product redesign. 
the not product redesign to an like I'm saying that there's a need here. Mm. Black people swim. Mm -hmm. There's actually a group called Black People Swim. <laughs> they just won an award. Um, they swim. And sometimes the blocker for some people, there's a relationship that Black women have with their hair. That's a thing. So if I'm concerned about my hair and there isn't a product for my hair, that can sometimes be a barrier for me getting into this space. So there's a twofold thing happening here when it comes to the swimming thing. Yes, I'm creating a product, but let's say the product exists. Let's say you have exactly. swim caps, mm -hmm. but you don't have swim caps that are specific for black people. And mm -hmm. you're talking about as a brand, how you want to be more inclusive. Now, not only is your commercial more inclusive commercial, but now you've created a product that is inclusive. And those I, exist too, I'm just saying. They so. do exist. I think <laughs> they just got approved for the Olympics like a year or two ago. But I'm having, I'm seeing both because I'm, I'm a visual, visual thinker. But the more emotional one, the more story-based one is the swimming one. Because mm -hmm. you can start with, because um, we're, we're, we're recording this towards the end of the year. It's probably going to release a new year. But everyone makes a commitment to do something. Mm -hmm. So you start with someone, a little snippet of their life, you know, working all the time. And they're like trying to do all these things. They get out of a pool, black woman, hair's wet, and they're happy there. And they're, you know, ecstatic that they just swam a lap or whatever. You're seeing the emotion, but then they're trying to dry their hair. Mm -hmm. and, and then they end up being late for work. Mm -hmm. And then you're seeing slowly these things happen and then they stop swimming. Mm -hmm. Then they're gifted a swim cap towel set. Okay. Okay. Microfiber <laughs> towel. Okay. Because microfiber is good for black hair. Microfiber okay. towel and okay. a swimming Thank cap that's suitable here. to hold their hair. Got it. Okay. Because they have big hair. And then you see the joy come back. Okay. And they're making it to time on work. They're making it to time on things. They're not associating. Right. They're not stepping away. They, they dove. Oh, cheesy line as well. They dove back in. <laughs> I I counter that I counter that and say to not focus so much I get the hair is a focus that's a thing that's a very mm -hmm. real thing but if you take out all of the if you take out the full journey I don't have a cap but you can start off to make it shorter because you want your commercials to be under a minute make it shorter she's swimming she takes off the cap fro is still intact yeah because they have this product yeah skip a bit skip the pain but now i have this towel that's like a t-shirt towel whatever microfiber that's good for my hair dab my little face off my hair is fine because i wore this cap and now i go to work not having to worry about a thing so that tells me you're off the bat these things are available i can mm. jump in swimming i don't need to hear her backstory I just know that these are available for me. And that gives me a sense of like, this was made for me. They've kept me in mind. It's not meant for, that's solely not meant for anybody else. This is meant for me. Start with and the, you know what? You, I'm glad you challenged me. With Black people who swim. But just say it out there, if anyone you know wants to connect. But I'm glad you challenged me because sometimes you do fall into the habits of, having to sell the pain to make the joy look joyful exactly. exactly but you could start with 
ironically my name is Joanne but you can start with the choice (laughs) you can just start with it because Mm -hmm. again you want to get that message across and not lean and this could also be a cultural thing Mm -hmm. because naturally it's it's gonna read differently things are gonna read differently in American culture versus British culture Um, I see this sometimes with movies I watch a lot of Korean horror and sometimes when the movie's ending sometimes i'm just like what is this what's happening like i don't i don't get this like why they're like violins and stuff but that might be something specific to the culture that resonates with them where i'm just like i don't need all this like you're just supposed to end it they die that's it so it's it could be cultural but yes i think sometimes there is a thing of what we discussed before about not needing me to tell you all the struggles that I go with. I just want me, you to give me the thing. It's the same thing sometimes where people were, um, they were tired of DNI conversations mm. for a while. They were tired of unconscious bias training. They were just over it. And it was just like DNI fatigue. And towards the end and questioning people, it's just like, I just want you to do the thing. I want to be able to come to work, work, not deal with microaggressions and get my paycheck. That's what I want to do. Mm -hmm. So sometimes I feel like the the best route when it comes to commercials, sometimes it's just telling me like, this is what it is. You just solved in 30 seconds. You just solved an issue that I was not aware this product even existed, or I was not aware that this product existed, two products and a community. Mm, two products in the community I like that I like that um so that leads me to my final question it's a new one but it's because you're in the space I like I want (laughs) to ask you this question what do you think the future of inclusive marketing is I think the future of inclusive marketing is that it's not there isn't inclusive marketing (laughs) like it just becomes a thing where you no longer say inclusive marketing, you just say marketing, and this is an aspect of it that exists from the start. The same way that we were just talking about how has marketing evolved, mm-hmm. this is how I'd like to see marketing evolve. This is part of the principles of marketing. So if you have the six principles of inclusive marketing, I think uh, Microsoft yes. has created Microsoft. theirs. Mm-hmm. Uh, Google had created their all-in document with like their own principles. I think if you maybe want to either add to the four P's of marketing or change them to six principles within marketing, that's just something that's embedded in there because it all still matters. It's still Mm -hmm. a part of people. It's still Mm -hmm. a part of your product. It's still, you know, a part of like how you communicate something to bring awareness around it. What are the, I need to look up the four piece. So I have like down, it's just like, I know it's product price people and something else. And I'm like drawing a blank. So it's just like, no, I need to get this. But sometimes there's seven piece as well. Promotion. Promotion. Place and promotion. There's no people. There I'm people. Was people. What I've got. Added. People might've been added because sometimes the numbers switch up, but I could have sworn people was a part of it, but I could be wrong. Um, huh. People can be the one. How are you marketing? You don't know the four P's of marketing. It's okay. We're all going to be okay. Um, So (laughs) I think that as part of that, when you're you're talking about promotion, like that should be embedded in there. Mm -hmm. 
So whether or not it's four P's of marketing or if it's the seven principles of marketing or whatever they want to call it, because we all love a label. Let's not deny this. We are marketers. Uh, we love a way to show. We all love a label. I think that that should be embedded in there. And that's what I'd like to see for the future of inclusive marketing. I just like that to be embedded in marketing so you don't have to separate them. So if you're a betting person, what what how what's the timeline? What's the timeline for us not our job titles not being a thing? I think as this new generation comes in, mm -hmm. those things will be embedded into marketing. So I'd say maybe like 20, 15, 20 years. So Gen Z or Gen Alpha? Yeah. Okay. Because they'll be native to it. They'll be native to being inclusive. I remember so you were saying how you decided to Changing things, it'll just be in there. So when you ask 15 years later, if you're mm -hmm. doing this podcast, <laughs> what changes have you seen? That's probably going to be one of the changes that exist. They're going to be like, marketing was shit. In the 2010s, like, oh, we used to do this thing. We weren't very inclusive. Now it's going to just, it's just going to be a part of it. Representation, inclusive, inclusion, providing a sense of belonging, you know, accessibility, all those are going to be born into marketing. And it doesn't have to be something that we work very hard to implement. Okay. So generation alpha and generation beta, apparently. Um, Okay. <laughs> We're putting a lot of work on you. So Generation Beta are going to be born in 2025. Okay. So there'll be adults working in marketing in like... Right. It's yeah. going to start with this Gen, with Gen Z, Z right now. Mm -hmm. So as the younger bit of Gen Z, as they start becoming the ones who are in charge of branding, marketing, anything under marketing, because um, events, all that stuff is like under there they're going to be the ones that start that shift. Okay. I'm excited. I, I hope to not be still working at that time. I hope to be, you know, well, we're in a capitalist society. I hope to be a millionaire. I'm not going to lie. I um, mean, it's, I guess it's, it's what's needed. So everybody can relax when they're like, oh, money. Everyone can chill I a think little. Cap, I think money should cap at a certain point, but people that need it. So. Fine. I'm happy being a millionaire, not billionaire, you know? Let's yeah. let's not you know go too hard on it. Right. Anywho, <laughs> that's that's for another conversation around billionaires. Another ethics. Are, are there any billionaire marketers? I guess Amazon is just marketing. Is it? No, it's not. No, it's not. I no. think Amazon is more about uh, like customer service. Yeah, I don't know any billionaire marketers. Then, anywho, that's a whole other conversation. We can... Maybe they started out as marketers. Mm. yeah let the people know where they can find you on the internet um they can find me online at um dizzyb65 on instagram i don't talk about anything regarding inclusive marketing and i do not post a lot but i mainly use instagram to follow other people and kind of educate myself and create different communities and stuff um and that's pretty much the only place that I'm on outside of like LinkedIn. I was going to say, like, everyone leaves LinkedIn off like it's not, you I know. know. But it's it's just my name on LinkedIn, Bianca um, Faustin, Boston. I'm fine with however you want to pronounce it. Um, but you can find me on LinkedIn there. Um, feel free to connect uh, if you 
like what I was saying during this recording, or if you have opinions of what I said during this recording. If you have opinions, trust me, we have many more. There's five other conversations we need to have on top of this. We'll definitely have you back, Bianca. And thank you so much for joining me for the Marketing Made Inclusive. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you for having me. This was um, fun. And I know we've been talking for a while, so I'm looking forward to the next chat. And if it's a group of us, even better. I think I want to do, I meant to be wrapping up, but now I want to do Across America. Okay. I'm curious to know different, because I know a couple of inclusive marketers now from different areas, and I'm curious to know the approaches within states. Because I know within Europe, the approaches differ based on two things, whether the language is gendered or not. Okay because the argument is very much on the language. And from discussions I've had with people who do inclusive marketing within Europe, it also very much different on population. Right. This would be for North America? Yeah. So Canada. We'll check Canada in there. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me for the Marketing Made Inclusive podcast. All the links mentioned, we'll have them in the show notes. And you can find myself, Joanne Boyce, on all social networks. That's J-O-Y-A-N-N-B-O-Y-C-E. Tune in next week for all things Marketing Made Inclusive.